to get any theme song. We should yeah. ask. We should ask people <laughs> like, hey, are you are you musically inclined? Because because we're not. we need a we need a theme song. Yeah. So, um, okay. So yeah. Hi, I'm I'm Danny and I'm Molly. And this is Black Chick Lick. It's lit. It's been a while. You know, um, I always in my head want to say Black Chick Lick, but that would be a very different type of operation. It, the whole thing can go sideways very easily. And now I'm like, maybe we should rename it before we get too branded. But but I, I can't think of anything else. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's the rub, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, there's so many ways you could accidentally say it too fast and just be inappropriate. But yeah. it is what it is. It is but yeah, it is. It's, it's been a while. We've talked since. We've had two bonus episodes. We've had a bonus episode and a lost episode. Yes. Which was just a messier version of an already messy episode. Oh, um, I loved our I loved our grown folk episode. I did. T- I mean, I kept the wine. So. <laughs> I so um, another like behind the scenes. Danielle usually does an outline for um, each episode, and uh, I just opened it and I like how it says intro. I I may rant. I swear. So <laughs> I'm gonna turn it over to you because I'm very curious. I think that was left over from the height of Chump's foolishness, and I deleted mm. it. But I am really happy to say, like, this is the day we're recording this, the day of his grand failure. failure. And, like, I haven't felt, like, it's like, I don't feel good, but I feel a sense of relief. Like, okay, maybe we can keep this country from, early, from like, hurling into the sun. Maybe. <laughs> just maybe. We can do this. We can do so, it. I'm okay. not completely relieved. But yeah. That sense of dread that's been there, it's eased a bit. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just laughing. And you know, Obama, we're just laughing. Oh, God. He's so, like, God bless that man. Every picture I see of him post, like, he just, he looks happier than he's ever been in his life. <sighs> he's wearing, like, nice, well-fitted jeans. He's hanging out with um, the Virgin Airline guys on, like, a yacht. And they're probably just laughing. Him and, like, Malia were drinking out of coconuts. Like, <laughs> Did you see him leave that meeting? It was like a random meeting and like it was in New York and everybody was applauding him. This is how long it's been since we've talked because I think that happened a couple weeks ago. No, I don't think I saw it. Yeah, he was just, he wasn't doing anything. He was just leaving a meeting with some people. People noticed he was there. A crowd crowd gathered and they were applauding him as he got (laughs) in the car and drove away. And I was like, oh, Uh... that's great. But yeah. But I think, yeah, we apologize for the delay. My car died, school started, life birthdays happened. It was a lot, y'all. Yeah, it was a lot. But we're here now. Yeah. We wouldn't leave you. We would just take a break. Um, We are back to discuss Kindred, specifically the graphic novel adaptation. I'm really excited because I feel like Molly has lots of thoughts. (laughs) (laughs) Thoughts that... Because, like, I think, what was the episode when I accidentally said com- graphic novel and you, it was when we were talking about Saga. And you oh, quickly, Saga. You quickly corrected me and said that was a comic book. Yes. Not a graphic novel. Yes. 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 So, Molly has lots of feelings because I've already made that mistake pre-recording. Lots of angry feelings. <laughs> I already made that mistake pre-recording when I said graphic novel and it should have been a comic book. So. Yes. So yeah, I'm excited. Um, just I guess just initial thoughts. I really loved this book. This was my first time reading it because I'm apparently the last person on earth who's read Kindred. <laughs> I blame my majority white high school, but um, oh. yeah. <laughs> um, but I loved it. 
And so I think you've read it before, haven't you? Yeah, so I've read it in college. Um, and obviously the graphic novel is new, so we're both we're both um, coming to that new. Mm-hmm. But um, there were some differences, but I think for you know the sake of this conversation, we're going to stick to um, the graphic novel. Yeah, um, that's a, a different, it's a much different experience. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so I guess we'll just get into it. So a brief introduction. So Kindred, a graphic novel adaptation, is based on Kindred by the late, the great Octavia Butler. Um, it was originally published in June of 1979, so it'll be 38 years old. It's almost 40 years old. Mm. So I don't know. I feel like for all the weight it's given, I feel like it should be an older classic than what it is, but that's fine. Um, that sounded really judgy. I apologize. Um, <laughs> the graphic novel was released January 10th of this year. Um, and it is, Damien Duffy is credited with adapting the work and John Jennings is credited as the illustrator. And they have worked on publications from what I've gathered for at least 12 years, according to the news articles I read. Mm-hmm. I may be completely messing up their bio, including a book that I kind of want to read now that sounds really interesting called, oh, where did it go? It was called The Whole Consumer Culture. I think it was about like the consumption and capitalism involved with race, mm. which is sort of what we're touching on in Kindred. Um, mm-hmm. And so Octavia Butler was born in 1947 in Pasadena, California. Um, she wrote many books and short stories. I believe Kindred is her most popular one. Maybe Bloodchild, I think it's up there too. Yeah, like the, those uh, two. Her series, I think, are pretty. Parable yeah. of the Sower. Um, yeah, I haven't gotten into her series as much. Um, I've read a lot of her short stories. In I've read a lot of her short stories, Kindred. Yeah. Kindred is the first novel. Mm-hmm. Um, and she would write and publish until her death in February of 2006. So it's been 11 years. Wow. Yeah. Um, Damien Duffy is a cartoonist, writer, and illustrator. I found this really fascinating. He holds an MS and a PhD in library and information sciences at oh. the University of Illinois. <laughs> And I'm like, that's that's not what I expect. That's kind of random, but it fits. Like, book people, right? Yeah. So, he must have met... I wonder if that's where he worked John Jennings, because when I was looking at John Jennings, he worked at the University of Illinois Urbana-Champaign for a while, too. Oh. Um, from what I read, he currently teaches graphic design at the University of Buffalo. So, and they've worked on things for a while. He seems like... Really... he His work seems really neat. Like, I look, think I'm going to go and look up some more stuff after after this discussion there was mm-hmm. one there was a neat article i found called the soul black comics and i think it was by it's by the university of buffalo it's probably something the school released and it's just really neat a really neat look at his work so yeah yes yeah. all righty so that's that's that and i oh thinking, i forgot oh did we talk about john jennings we did we just finished i oh, was i staring into space because i did want to <laughs> say he gave us like a little tiny bit of shine on twitter too so oh thank yeah you so thank for you that. We need all the shine we can get. Yeah. We'll probably tag him so that he can. Oh, yeah. Hopefully they'll listen. And um, I don't know. You know, I live in fear for the day that the. Uh, <laughs> this could be us with you playing, girl. Oh, gosh. <laughs> let her come. Terrible. Like, let her come. I have. No, you heard how angry I was. I have. I will take that to task. I have no. I stand behind everything I said in that episode. A hundred percent. I was out there unemployed for two years and people are just sending things out with improper punctuation. No, I can't take it. Yeah. <laughs> what was her name? Cratchit? No. Cash it. Cash it. It was Ratchet and something. Oh, yeah. 
Why would you taint this discussion with that? <laughs> I can't take it. Uh, all right. So, yeah, we're going we're gonna to move on past that. But, yeah, so he did give us some shine. He, the other lady has not discovered us yet. We're fine. Um, I, she has a Twitter. We tried to follow her. She was locked, so. Oh, yeah, yeah. I don't oh, think we she's did gonna, try to follow her. Yeah, I don't think she's coming for us. Hey, I want both books, so <laughs> y'all can get into a fight outside of the, um, <laughs> the Olive Garden. Why is it? Oh, is that what happened in the book? No. Uh, I forgot about that. Why did you, why did you remind, you know, I deleted that off my Kindle. It's not even like, I couldn't even go back and reread it if I wanted to. I was like, bye. It's 2017. I'm done with the foolishness of 2016. So. I see. I see. All right, so this, we want to keep this, so we're going to talk, I want to hear Molly's thoughts on graphic novels. So first, I want to hear Molly's definition of what a graphic novel is, <laughs> because earlier in the discussion, or before we recorded, I said, like, the only other, I think, equally important graphic novel I could think of that I had read was Watchmen, and was quickly corrected. That <laughs> Watchmen, I was like, no, Watchmen is not a graphic novel. Watchmen is not a graphic novel, <laughs> so... So, it's like, I don't know. I feel like there's there's a divide, and people don't always... I mean, this is not <laughs> the biggest deal in the world. Um, but I think that the, the real technical difference that I see is that a, um, a comic is usually serialized, Mm -hmm. Um, so it could be a limited series like Watchmen, I think is 12 issues that was re released over a period of time and then collected into a, um, into that big yellow book, you know, that wow. everyone always sees. Um, whereas something like, I actually read a graphic novel that was very good last year, um, called This One Summer. And that is a story that stands on its own by itself. Um, another good example of that would probably be like, uh, I think Batman Year One, or that one where like Batman's real old. <laughs> or like something like Mouse. Something like Mouse is an, another really good um, example. And I think that while, you know, I... Okay, so... There's obviously the format of a story, I think, has an effect of on the story itself. So, you know, a novel versus novella versus a poem versus this or that. Like, mm -hmm. you're saying different things. So if you're writing something with the mindset of this is going to be serialized, people are going to, you know, be engaging with this and talking about it offline. People are going to be writing letters into me. I'm going to be responding. We might be taking breaks. Like, that is written in a very different way than a, a graphic novel, which to me is more like um, like a traditional novel. So the author spends his or her time with it um, and then puts it out into the world, and that's, that's kind of it. Mm -hmm. So, um, uh, like, I think that uh, um, a good example of this, I'm a big uh, Walking Dead fan, and, okay, spoilers if you haven't watched the latest episode and you don't, reading the comics or anything so uh maybe like come back in like a minute but um should we pause should we pause like 
Oh yes. Is fine. <laughs> Let's pause. If maybe if we had like a little like uh, Jeopardy music or something, but I don't know if they. Let's probably like copy that, that in. <laughs> yeah, I think we've. Wait, I think installing and debating whether or not we should pause. We've paused a different amount of time. Imagine in your mind the Jeopardy theme song and then come back. <laughs> <laughs> so. um... In The Walking Dead, they introduced this character who had kind of long hair, um, and his nickname is um, Jesus, um, and they introduced two other characters, I think one is named Aaron, and um, when they introduced that first character, Aaron, um, and revealed that he was gay, a lot of the readership were writing into the author and saying, I hate that she made this really cool character gay, I hate this, I hate this, I hate this, right? Yeah. Um and so Kirkman, who writes it being like a master level troll, introduced this character named Jesus who like kickboxes everybody and he's like, <laughs> everybody's like super best friend. He's totally awesome. And then it turns out that he's gay and he gets with the other guy. I think they get together. <laughs> and so he straight up said, he was like, I did that because, you know, any character could be cool. Like, and their sexuality, you know, if you have a problem with it, that's on you. So that kind of back and forth between the author and the, um, or the creator and the um, consumer is something that I think is really unique to serialized um, uh, media. So you can also mm-hmm. think about it as a difference between like maybe a standalone movie and a TV show season to season. You might have more reactions. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah, so... Um, there is another level to this, and why you might see people getting more upset um, is because graphic novels um, kind of became like a like kind of a bougie thing because um, so nobody like, wants to say they're reading comics, right? So it's like I'm an adult reading graphic, graphic novels, novels. Um, and in addition to that, I have another. Um, Quotation here from professional crazy man Alan Moore. Um, as apt a description as I've ever heard. <laughs> uh, who, if you're not familiar, he he wrote Watchmen, which, um, like I said, was a series collected into. Um, I think you would call that a. Yeah, I forget. I look at Instagram. Like I broke it all down on there <laughs> a couple of weeks ago when we were going to have this first episode. Um, Before life happened. Before life happened, um, but that's also that's often um, called like one of the greatest graphic novels ever, and I think it's fine to say that. Like no one's gonna, except for Alan Moore, gonna like jump down your throat again, Danielle. If <laughs> if you call it that, because I think a graphic novel, the the definition is a little murkier. But when you get to that bouginess factor, Moore says um, of graphic novels. It's a marketing term that I never had any sympathy with. The term comic does just well for me. The problem is that graphic novel just came to mean expensive comic book. And so what you get is people like DC Comics or Marvel Comics. Because graphic novels are getting some attention, they'd stick six issues of whatever worthless piece of crap they had to be publishing lately under a glossy cover and call it the She-Hulk graphic novel. He's harsh. He Okay, so he hates every... He hates everything. He's hilarious. I can't think of anything he does like. I do appreciate like his his grumpy old man persona, but that is a that is a that's interesting. 
He was yeah. on one episode of The Simpsons where they had um, Watchmen babies. I did see that, yeah. V for vacation. <laughs> so apparently he's a Simpsons fan. But other than that... He hates everything else. He hates everything. Um, let's see. It's a, it's a perfect time to retire terms like graphic novel and sequential art, which piggyback on the language of other wholly separate mediums. What's more, both terms have their roots in the need to dis- dissemble and justify... Thus, both exude the sense of desperation and gnawing hunger to be accepted. So basically, they just think everyone else thinks that comics are for kids. Yeah. Animation sort of has that issue. Mm. How so? As we're discussing it, like, people, I'm trying to think what they call, like, cartoons, people don't watch, people don't call, like, Bob's Burgers or Family Guy or even Simpsons. They never call it cartoons, cartoon. even though that's what it is. Mm hmm. Um, and I feel like it, my, like, I guess people our age probably don't do this, but if I'm watching Bob's Burgers, which is maybe like the only show I watch with any sort of regularity <laughs> lately, my mother will be like, why are you watching that kitty crap? And it's like, have you seen the show before? Just because it's animated. So she like sort of looks down on it. Sorry, I'm calling, I'm throwing my mom under the bus, but like she does, she doesn't, she looks down on things that are animated because she thinks they're for kids. Mm. And so I guess I'm wondering if like the book industry is just trying to deal with people looking down on comics as if they were for kids. Could be. It just trying to repackage it. Yeah, problem that YA used to face before it kind of really blew up. That no one Uh, wanted to be called YA because it was, you know, for the kids. They assumed it wouldn't sell. Yeah. So, that's interesting. Yeah. I do appreciate, I mean, that's a very Alan Moore quote. Like, I appreciate him for saying saying that. Um... (laughs) Well, I did. We did a little research before we started. I mean, if it's a marketing term, it's working because um, an article released by the Washington Post on January 10th, according to the Nielsen scans, the only the only genre of novel or only genre of adult fiction to increase in sales was graphic novels. Mm. And it increased by 12% over the year. So fiction apparently all over the place was flat. Nothing really grew. And I think a little bit, a few things may have even declined. But the only thing that did well was graphic novels. And it was some of the titles you just said. The Walking Dead, um, Star Wars, Batman. And so these are the things that I think they said. Uh, Yeah, how many sales they had. Yeah, and I wouldn't call any of those graphic particular novels. graphic novels. Like I said, that one that I read, and I'm pretty sure it came out either last year or the year before, um, this one summer, did very well, sold very well. Um, there's been a couple in the past few years that have come out about the girl like who wasn't speaking. I should look these up instead of alluding to them like very, <laughs> <laughs> very... Um, well, and it was also a good year for graphic novels because March won the National Book Award. Oh, yeah. But March. So is March a comic or is March a graphic novel? Using your definition, uh-huh. my new tool, I would classify it as a graphic novel. Because uh-huh. it was it was released in three parts, but it wasn't... I mean, I guess, where's the line from a serial release to just like a multi-part release? Uh, I would... So I would say that a graphic novel is just released all in one go. Like so I would think like, of it as, yeah, just like a novel. A traditional novel. So, so they released three. They weren't serial. They weren't weekly. They were released, mm-hmm. and I'm sure while one was out, they were already working on the next one. 
Mm -hmm. So that one gets kind of fuzzy. But yeah, that one gets fuzzy. Yeah, I have to read that one. I have the first one in my fireplace with the rest of my (laughs) books. Um, So yeah, I just thought that was interesting. So going into Kindred, and what do you think, how do you think, your initial reviews, how do you think Kindred adapted to graphic novel format? I think it adapted really well. I think it added um, another element um, to a story that we all, you know, kind of remember all knew or knew of before. Yeah. Oh, and we can go over that just in case. So, obvious spoiler alerts. I'm assuming everyone else has read Kindred. Like I said, I'm the last one to read it. But if you have not, basically, Kindred is the story of Dana. And on her, is it her 26th birthday? I I think so. It's on her birthday. She suddenly gets transported back in time to the antebellum South. She Mm -hmm. doesn't realize that's what it is. She doesn't realize that until her second trip. But she gets sent to the antebellum South. And this happens repeatedly over a period of only a week, maybe no, more than a week, maybe a month, about a month, month and a half. Yeah. yeah. Repeatedly, she goes back in time to save her, one of her ancestors, uh, Rufus Whalen, mm-hmm. who is first a small child, but then eventually grows up to be this slave owner in Maryland. What in Maryland? I'm trying to remember. Maryland sticks out because they were, she was trying to say like, if she, at least they weren't in the deep South. Yeah. Um, and eventually, and as he gets older, Rufus starts as sort of like a, he seems kind of malleable, like maybe she can shape him to be better than his environment. But as he gets older, he eventually sort of, he becomes who he becomes. Mm -hmm. Because every time she goes back, time passes a lot faster for Rufus and his family in the Annabellum South than it does for her. So what is a day for her will be like... A year, years a year, for them. Five years, so he, yeah. Yeah. So the environment gets to him. He eventually does become an abusive, um, an abusive slave master, just like his mm-hmm. father was in a way. Mm-hmm. So I think I really loved the story. I didn't, th- I thought, like, I, if you know me, I've been trying to, well, actually, I haven't. I've been doing the opposite. I've been reluctant to start slave things. And when I do slave things, I read them very slowly because there's a lot of trauma in that. And it's like, can I handle this right now? And sometimes I can, sometimes I can't. Like, I'm still only on episode one of Underground, so. But this one, I thought it didn't yeah. get too, yeah. Nothing ever got too, there was, it was, there was some trauma, but nothing ever got, like, overwhelmingly graphic. And I appreciate Yes. That. Yeah, there were, the like, some real downer moments. Oh, there were lots <laughs> of downer moments, though. Yeah, like, some moments I was like, oh, no. But nothing was like so hyper graphic that it was like, oh, I just gotta yeah. take a second to step away from this. So yeah, so the plot from the graphic novel is a little bit more is a bit abridged because obviously, yeah. Um, but overall, it follows that 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 pretty well. Mm-hmm. And so they said something about was there anything they skipped? So they. Um, he basically said, because I found this really neat interview with them, and so they sort of talked, it was by Barnes and Nobles of all things, which was mm. funny. Um, they said there were a lot of scenes they had to cut out because of space, and that um, they basically cut out anything that reinforced old character information. So, let's, I guess let's just go into the, let's go, in, let's get into the graphic novel. I, what did you think of the art? Because I think you had some thoughts, and I have some thoughts, and I would like to see what both of our thoughts are. Yes. So, when I first, first opened it up, I was like, I don't think I like this. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was a little rough. It was a little rough. And then um, 
there was, I can remember the very specific scene where I was like, oh, I kind of see what he's doing now. It's when Dana goes back the second time and sees Rufus in his bedroom after the dumbass tries to, like, set his room on fire. (laughs) And I remember she's, like, talking to him and he says, like, you know, the moment that you kind of see that he's really crazy and, like, his eyes are really big and his face is, like, that weird color. And I was like, holy shit, like, I can see now, like, the, the, can you, you remember that panel? I bet it's the same panel I'm looking at. It's the one where he wants her to call her him master? I think so. Um, yeah. And his eye, he looks like a little bit like Chucky. His eyes do this crazy thing, and it's like the panel only shows half his face, which I think is really effective in sort of showing... I don't know, if you saw his whole face straight on, I think it would be scarier. The fact that the panel cuts his face right in half, mm-hmm. it feels a bit, and you only see half of his emotion and half of his face, makes it feel... It's kind of creepier. It's more, puts me more on edge. I think that's the scene you're talking about. Yeah. Because it's sort of, in the book when they talk about it, it sort of emphasizes how he gets strangely serious and how she has to call him master. Right. But it's like, I feel like just this art style is good at conveying kind of like the horror of this. Um, It's it's good at showing crazy. Yeah, it's definitely good at showing crazy. Oh, so then I um, I read this interview with the illustrator um, Jennings all over on Flavor Wire, and he said that he did this to look like an old timey wood cutting. And I was like, I could definitely oh, see that. I see it now. I can definitely see that. There's a lot of like lines in the art, a lot of extraneous lines that look mm-hmm. like maybe they just didn't get cleaned up. Mm-hmm. But it does make it feel messier, and it makes it makes a lot of the violent scenes just seem more painful and more... Yeah, like there's more movement mm-hmm. in each kind of panel, which I thought he did very well with. Um, and then he was also talking about color, and he said that, um, you know, Dana is wearing, um, you know, kind of that button down and some, I don't know, khakis a or something. Oh yeah, the bell bottoms. I was like, yeah, he included that detail (laughs) the whole time, and he said he put her in that blue because of. um, He said it's actually called hate blue. Let me see if I can find the exact hate, like as in ghost, as in ghost, as in our old friend from. Oh wait, shit, we didn't read that. We did. We discussed it briefly in our. We discussed it briefly, but in uh, Cha Cha from the Turner House. Yes, from Turner House is very concerned about Haints. So he says, um, and this goes into. I think this is a good segue too for um, uh, genre, which we can talk about a little bit. Yeah. The Flavor Wire says, do you think Kindred is a ghost story? And Jennings says, I definitely think it's like a ghost story that's extremely apt. So, for instance, when you look at the color of the comic book, you see the color that we put Dana in, the turquoise color. Down south in South Carolina in particular, that's called Haint Blue. The story goes that a lot of people who were Gullah from the islands of the shore of South Carolina... They believed that the color would ward off evil spirits or ward off what they called haints, so they called it haint blue. They would color inside their houses and trucks and different types of objects to help capture the spirit. They said it looked like the sky and the spirits would be attracted to it. Hmm. Which I thought was very interesting, because she doesn't really change her clothes the whole time, and I really, like, picked up on that. I was like, Dana, you've been there for a while. Like, somebody can give you another shirt. 
Yeah. And like it's her clothes are a big deal because in the 1970s she's fine, but every time she goes back into the past dressed in her modern clothes, everyone thinks she's dressed as a man. Right. And it like And then the one time she does wear a dress and she shows up the old man is like, go get into something more appropriate. Because <laughs> apparently yeah. her skirt is too short. Short. That's interesting. Yeah. So I I think that there is a lot going on with the um, art, which at, at first glance, I was like, I don't know if I like this. But the more and more I look into it, the more I, by the end of the book, I was totally in love with it. Yeah, I, I agree. I didn't like it at first, but I think it's very effective at showing as he gets more brutal and as her time in the south gets more like violent and more tense because every time Mm -hmm. she goes back i'm like oh shit get out of there Mm -hmm. um it feels really appropriate and it just it it fits so and it never i don't know um i'm not good at discussing visual art and i (laughs) and i feel like this is really stretching me i'm more of a literature person but um I do like, I did also notice that every time she was home, the colors were a lot more muted. Yeah, it was and almost like the the stuff back in the day was more real. Yes. Oh, yeah. That's, I think that's a, that's a good way to describe it. And it's just like, it's just really interesting, his use of color. Mm-hmm. Who else? Oh, you know who also wears blue, I just noticed, as I was looking through? Or at least who did in her first appearance? Um, Alice. Oh, when she actually she goes crazy, but it's more of a blue green. But I like that because Alice is basically Dana had she been born. Yeah. In the pre pre war Civil War South. Mm-hmm. And I think Rufus sees them. What did that one person say? Like you're two halves of one woman? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because they, they look a lot alike. Mm-hmm. They look a lot alike. They wear the color. Um, I have a question, and it may be really challenging. Why do you think they decided to adapt this to to a graphic novel. Ah, uh, so um, <laughs> our boy <laughs> actually did talk about this in this article, which am I closing this over and over again? Is that why I can't find it all the time? <laughs> <laughs> I read it, but you like, I need to go back and reread it because clearly that article is full of answers. We'll make sure to link it too. Yeah, when I found this article, that's why I was like, oh man, look at this. Um, why adapt Kindred now? And he said, I think Kindred is an extremely important piece if you see what's going on now pol- politically. Octavia Butler's work in general is important to literature, and I think she's been unsung to a certain degree, even though she has tons of people who love her work. In Kindred, I think she deals with a lot of um, misconceptions about how slavery has affected our country on both sides of the fence. I agree. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, now that he says it, I totally agree. I think... That I, th- I agree, one, that it's really relevant to what's going on now politically. And I agree, too, that Octavia Butler is really underappreciated. Yeah. Um, remember that foolishness? Why does this book come up every episode? I don't know why. But um, remember that foolishness with the Underground Airlines? Oh, yeah. This, this Wait, which foolishness book? in particular? <laughs> the author who wrote the book about... Um, if the slavery was still around. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That was like, I still can't believe someone came onto and messaged me and told it told me I need to learn about the black experience by reading this book but that's another discussion um but yeah that he basically this is one of the books he's read to prepare for it because it was like a landmark in like black science fiction in um that used that took place during slavery times mm. so I yeah that's pretty good I feel like I'm really off on this episode I don't know what's going on it's okay. it's going we're on. really on because I like 
happened to find this holy grail of an article. (laughs) I am off my game. But um, I do want to sort of talk about Rufus and his sort of development and how he gets sort of crazier looking. Yeah. Throughout the book. Like, I think you can really see sort of his... I think he did a good job, the illustrator, of like showing his... What's the word? Spiral down. Yeah. Artistically. Like, he just looks... Like, his face gets more lines on it. I guess that could be also age, but I'm sure it was a conscious decision. More lines on it. And he just looks crazier. And when you compare it to little boy Rufus... Yeah, who's kind of speeder, but still... Still... Yeah, still a product of his time. Like, I think it's... I think that what this... What the graphic novel and what the novel do very well is that it's, like, slavery is this, like, completely toxic thing. Like... It's it's like our what did they say like the original sin of America. I didn't come up with that. I can't remember who said it, but it's like it corrupts everything it touches. So mm-hmm. there was no hope for Rufus. Like right, there was and no she, hope for Dana when she got into this situation to come out unscathed. There was no hope for her husband. Like it, it corrupted everything. I honestly thought, and um, so when I was reading it. I sort of thought that she would find him again and find that he had maybe not, ex- not maybe not like become like a slave master, but had become like complacent and would have accepted it mm. and would have been less affected. I'm actually surprised that it went the direction where he was helping to free slaves. Cause I thought Kevin was a really good example of privilege, both in that, you know, he was a white man and he could walk around and do what he wanted, but there's that scene where he's like trying to tell her, you know what? It's not as bad as I thought it would be. And she yeah. was like, well, and yeah, she's like, like that's because they don't drag. <laughs> she was like, yeah, that's because they don't drag you out to see the whippings. Yeah, and it's like these things happen, and you're just not made aware of them. It doesn't mean they're not still bad and not still terrible. It's just, and I think that's exactly what privilege is. I think privilege has sort of gotten this bad connotation. Everyone, like for some reason, people are offended by the idea that they may have privilege, mm-hmm. and I feel like everyone in some way has some type of privilege, whether it's us as um, straight. Well, maybe not women, but as straight people, us as citizens, mm-hmm. us as people with degrees and higher education, or not degrees, but people with higher education degrees, everyone mm-hmm. has some sort of privilege, but there are people who react to it so strongly and get like offended if you imply that they do. Yeah. And I just thought that he was a really good example of how it's not necessarily you're doing something bad. It's just that you're not aware of what other people are going through. Yeah. It's like a, it's, it's more like a blind spot that you have to yeah. be aware of. Yeah. So, I thought his character was really interesting. I honestly thought she'd come, he, she'd find him, and he'd like have a servant or something. He would yeah, try to he'd be like, it. "I'm all into slavery now." <laughs> yeah, and he'd try to excuse it by saying, "Well, like, well, I treat him right." So I was really, I was pleasantly surprised that he did not. That's a low. That's a low bar. I was very happy this character did not have a slave. Yeah. Um. <laughs> um. So, it was just, it was a really good book. I think. I really liked how at the beginning they introduced that map of the whole plantation. Mm-hmm. That was uh, helpful. Yeah, and it was nice to sort of like... I will say, nothing is how I pictured it when I read the book, but I think they did a good job of showing, of like, illustrating everything. Yeah, yeah, there was... Um, I don't know, sometimes I feel like um, something that's if it's animated or if it's drawn um I don't know that people always think about how things work spatially like could this be real 
you know, mm-hmm. you think about cartoons when we were little, and it was like, I don't know, this dude's eight feet tall, and now he's ten feet tall. But it's yeah. like everything made a lot of sense in here. Yeah. Like, you got a real sense of the of the place itself. Oh, I have one question I'm going to talk on. I think one thing that really, I don't want to say is a strength, but one thing I think in which the book makes, the graphic novel makes it a completely different experience is the um, portrayal of the violence. Oh, yeah. A scene that I sort of had a really hard time getting through was when Dana goes back the second time, she goes to visit Alice's, Alice is still a little girl. She -hmm. goes to visit her cabin where her mother lives and they have pulled her father out and they eventually tie him to a tree and start whipping him. And Dana gets whipped once point in the novel and then she is forced to work in the field, which is really backbreaking labor at one point in the novel. And I think seeing that and seeing the way it's drawn where you see like there's a lot of emphasis on their face most of the time with mm-hmm. the violence so you can see their pain and see their agony I think it was a lot more effective than just reading about how like she goes into great detail in the book about how the pain burned or she felt like her back was on fire and even with all those words I still feel like his illustrations more effective at portraying that mm-hmm. but that was me so yeah I can but, see um, that like it's it's very like in your face yeah Visual. I mean, um, visuals just are are always going to be that way. Yeah, like yeah, especially that scene with with the uh, Alice's father. Like, I can't get over that one. Like, yeah, that one that's rough. The worst. That's very, yeah. very rough. Um, I'm trying to think if there was anything. I don't think. I guess because that's the first really jarring scene of violence in the book. Mm-hmm. Certainly not like, the last. Yeah, it's not the last, but it's definitely the first one you hit. <laughs> where like this is this is the world we're in now. Yeah, seriously. Um, um, oh, oh, and then the one where she gets whipped and she's like throwing up and everything. Oh, yeah. yeah. So and it's just it's really in your face and it's like much more. It just hit me and it kind of cut deeper much more than the text did. Yeah. But strangely enough, Alice's death did not, and I don't know if that's because I read it and was expecting it. Uh, maybe. And also the way it's drawn, you barely see her. It's it's not how she died in the book. She died in the book, I remember, because I pictured it. Her mouth was open and her eyes were open, and apparently she was looking up. Uh, in the book, her face is sort of like, in the illustration, her face is in a shadow, and her eyes are closed. Mm-hmm. And I think the real focal point of that scene is, it's a full-page scene, is Dana's reaction. Yeah, because Dana's in the foreground, if I remember right. Yeah, she's in the foreground, and there's like, um, she says, oh, Alice, oh no. And it's like, her. there's a speech bubble, too. So she's sort of the focal point of that panel yeah and alice is in the background so it's sort of i don't know that's one where i thought it would make a bigger impression on me than what it did yeah and i don't know like what the reasoning is for that particular layout but yeah i mean maybe it's clear he wanted our attention on dana but yeah maybe it was more dana's despair maybe because you know they had to kind of um uh, like you said, a bridget a little bit. Mm-hmm. So keeping us tied more to to Dana herself, mm-hmm. and we're seeing this from Dana's perspective. And maybe I don't know. But yeah, and I also thought that the ending, like everything in the end, sort of moved really quickly. Then, yeah, very quickly. Um, he Rufus attempts to force himself on Dana. She stabs him. And that goes in a period of, like, I think she stabs him in, like, three panels. Yeah. And then it's over. Yeah, then it's like, oh, we're back. Yeah. 
And, and then it weird. wasn't clear, like, how she lost her arm, too, I thought. I've been thinking about that, and I think when I thought about it, like, so I read an article, I read an interview with Octavia Butler, on, and she said the reason she had to lose her arm was because, you know, slavery never leaves you whole. Right. Yeah, so I think that's the meta reason, and then I guess I was thinking the in, if I may be nerdy, the in-universe reason was that sort of made me think, well, that was her final trip, because on no other trip... Like, she will never, ever, like, she will never, ever go back. On no other trip did she lose or did it cut off so suddenly that she lost a limb? Yeah. Was there any sort of physical barrier that kept her or separated her? Yeah. So I thought, like, losing her arm, that something that something, something clearly must have shut down or closed. Well, uh, William died. Or Rufus died. Right. Yeah. So she's never going to have to. And I guess we knew that, that as soon as he, she wouldn't, is when he died, she would not be sent back. Mm-hmm. But I guess that just sort of emphasized it. Like you're, you're done. You're not going back. Mm-hmm. It's been cut off. So yeah, but it was, it that. was interesting. Cause it's just like one tight, I'm looking at the page now. It's like one tiny, tiny little panel, like right in the corner. <laughs> right. And then and like, like the, the rest of the book is so brief that it's almost like you almost don't even see that she doesn't have the arm. Yeah. Like <laughs> it's kind of yeah, it's like, oh yeah, she lost her arm. Shit. <laughs> forgot about that while I was reading it until we came back and yeah and like the epilogue takes place only like it's literally over a span of two pages yeah and it's a lot of text and a lot of talk and and not much happens like they don't resolve where like how she comes back without the husband the first time and like she's all beat to hell and her friend comes over and she's like he did this to you and Dana's like yeah (laughs) it's like I wonder what happened with that Well, I just like, I it's just so surreal. And then they go to Maryland to try and find the house. Yeah, it's not there. It is there. And it's like busted or something. Well, so Nigel did such a great job at Arson, one of the slaves, because in the newspaper when they look up Rufus's death, his cause of death is caused by the fire, like burning right. in the fire. Yeah. So. It's just really, yeah, the ending, I thought, just went really quickly. Yeah. And I think, but I mean, it goes quickly in the book, but I don't know. I feel like it just went really. Yeah, it did seem a little bit rushed there at the end. Yeah. Because they spent so much time with Rufus's mom, and she's in bed, (laughs) and she's reading, and it's like, I get it, she's terrible. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so... It's just, and his dad, like... Oh, his dad, yeah. And the heart attack, so... Oh, yeah. But, uh, yeah. There was one thing we did not touch on that we probably should have from the start. So the book is included, included with the graphic novel is an introduction by a familiar name, Nettie Okafor. Yeah. I saw that, I was like, oh, hey, I know you. Yeah. (laughs) I like how, like, our circle of literature that's actually maybe a really sad thing that we read all this black literature and we keep coming across the same names the same names yeah well we gotta just expand we got you know we gotta expand what we're reading too we have been reading a lot of well okay so we read two sci-fi in a row so maybe it's not that yeah really recently yeah um, but yeah she got to meet octavia butler Mm -hmm. and she reveals that her email address was butler eight star at quest.net. I don't know why that, that that's adorable. But um she said that she continues to send emails to that email oh. address to like, you know, sort of soothe herself by talking to her, which yeah. I find 
That's kind of sweet. That's a short. That's a short story right there. Yeah, it I is. don't know why, but um, but I thought that was. I kind of like that. So like we've discussed these two. Two big names in black science fiction. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of coming full circle. We haven't yeah. got into, um, uh, our other girl yet, Jimison. Oh um, yeah, she had a book on sale that was on Kindle. Yeah, she's been like, it. yeah, she's been, she's been uh, out there, and I've been reading. I started um, oh, the fifth season. And there was like a rock person in it who reminded me of Pearl from um, Steven Universe, <laughs> and I was laughing. But that's all. That's that's not even like an important thing to add. So <laughs> you go ahead. But but you got that Steven reference re- universe. You got that Steven I had universe to. reference in there. I had to. So I admire you for it. Um, I had a question, and like, oh, uh-huh. it's gone. Or not a question. I had a. Oh, okay. I was thinking about this, and this is, I guess, you probably can't answer this, but I would just like to, you know, share it with the. Share it for thoughts. Why do you think this hasn't been adapted into a TV or a movie or some kind of... Because that's what they do with everything, right? Everything mm-hmm. eventually is turned into a TV show. There's an emoji movie coming out, for God's sakes. So I'm trying to think. I'm like, why would they not take this like a TV series? This would be a great TV series. So... Like a mini-series? That'd in that awesome. article, oh my- they ask... <laughs> Why do you think there haven't been any television or film adaptations of Octavia Butler's work? And he says, I don't know, man. Octavia Butler's novel Dawn is supposed to be a TV show sometime soon, which would be crazy because that story is nuts. I love it. And then they uh, say that's the one with all the tentacle sex and they go off from there. That's that's why I got made into a movie. That's, that's exactly why it's going on TV. Probably. But I could see Kendra being like a really. That would be great. It would like, be great. Let's, oh, I'm gonna start tweeting Ava and be like, "Hey, if you and Oprah have another mean, project to work on, you know, did I tell you that I I finished? Um, did you finish Green Sugar? I did. Yay, it's good. How, <laughs> it's I mean, we good. We sort of we sort of decided that right, like that the TV show was doing much better than the book. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. I, I feel really sad saying that, but the book. The, it has some flaws. Yeah, it I has think. some flaws. I'm looking forward to her next book. I'm going to definitely pick it up because I think oh, maybe, yeah. like, I don't know, like maybe she just needed um, to get that first one under her belt. That was her first yeah. book, right? That was her debut novel, yeah. Yeah. And I, don't, I certainly don't think she's an untalented writer. Right. And I like yeah. that it wasn't, uh, it was something different. And I think that's yeah. what we said at the time. Yeah. So I'm definitely interested <laughs> in what else she has to say. You can hear all our thoughts on that on that book in the first episode. The oh first yeah, episode. very first yeah. episode. Um, but um, so yeah, I'm just I guess I'm having trouble commenting because I want to keep it so closely on the graphic novel, but I'm having trouble separating it the experience of reading it from the experience uh, of reading the book because Probably you read them so closely together. I read them. So I read the book and then I read the graphic novel right after. And in some parts, I would read the book and then when I got far enough. I was switching graphic novel, <laughs> which you know what I don't. Maybe that's not the way I should have done this. I, I don't know. I think it gives you a unique perspective. Is there anything yeah. that you like that stood out to you, having read it that way? Um, besides everything moving much faster, I don't know why. And this is some ism we can touch on. I thought Kara and Sari would be. Oh my gosh, Carrie and Sarah would be much lighter, because I uh. thought. House 
this is me. Okay, so I read a lot of slave literature, whatever. I know my my slave dynamics as well as I can. Uh-huh. I thought that they, I one, I thought that she, I thought Carrie was, what's his name's daughter at first. Oh. Um, Waylon. I thought it, she was the old man Waylon's daughter. Mm-hmm. And then that turned out not to be true. Maybe. It might have gone unverified because she says at one point that um, her, her son and isn't her husband, her husband died. Mm-hmm. And then her sons got sold off. Uh-huh. So we, I don't know what the timeline of when that happened and when oh, Karen was conceived. Oh, and like why he didn't sell her too. Like, yeah. Yeah. Because I thought at one point it was implied that she was, she, he like frequent, like he, I mean, it's rape. They say it's not, they don't use the word rape, but that's basically what it is in this power dynamic. Yeah. And so I thought she would be lighter because and I also knew that house slaves tended to be lighter skinned. Mm. Wow, just that's like where the colorism comes from. The lighter mm-hmm. people were favored and they were used as house slaves and things like that, where our darker people usually were set to do the harder work. Mm-hmm. So that I thought was kind of surprising. I thought they were light skinned and they weren't. But mm-hmm. um Yeah, and everything sort of everything sort of happened the way I thought it would. There wasn't anything too surprising, I'm trying to think. Oh, I did not realize... Okay, this is also funny. I didn't realize Kevin was white at first because I don't think it's revealed in the... Well, maybe it is, and maybe I'm just dumb. He, they never straight out say he's white until, like... They, like, that second that second trip. Mm. The, after that second trip When he goes back. back with her. Yeah. Well, before, when she's describing, like, their time at the, um... The temp... The temp agency. The temp place. Yeah, yeah. the temp agency. And so I assumed he was black at first, and then I started reading the graphic novel, and I was like, "Oh, okay." Yeah, I remember him being white from the book. Like, but then I, again, I can't. Like, I read it a very long time ago, so yeah, I should have read it too. And I kind of think, I think like she, the book, it would be a completely different book if Kevin was black. Yeah. Completely different. So. Yeah, especially that because that that time they go back together, there they are. Is that the longest time they're back, or I guess the longest time Dana is back? When she is off on her, when she's when she returns home without him, no. When she and Kevin go um, together back, oh. is that the longest period of time they're like back in the past? I don't think so because I thought she was there much longer when she came back that other time and she asked Rufus to send the letters and she was waiting oh, for him. Okay. And so I sort of got the feeling that she was waiting for weeks, maybe even a few months. Uh-huh. Because she would be like, weeks went by and she still hadn't heard. And he was like, well, that's how. And she had to like, uh, Maybe how. I'm like conflating them in my mind. Yeah. Yeah. So, but um, yeah, it'd be a completely different novel if he was black. And, yeah. And I, I'm kind of, this is going to sound really weird. I'm kind of glad he wasn't black because I can only deal with worrying about one character at a time. <laughs> Kevin was fine. Like, I didn't have to worry about him. If I had to worry about black Kevin and black Dana in the pre antebellum South. <laughs> I would have had an anxiety attack, so yeah. <laughs> I can only worry about one of y'all. So, but yeah, so that was also different. That sort of caught me off the surprise, but yeah. Uh-huh. Also, the time I love how he draws rain, like everything uh-huh. when it's raining, and he just draws those like lines coming down. It looks miserable. It looks <laughs> terrible, and I kind of love it. Like he does such a great job with that. Yeah. So I guess basically we're fanning all over. Yeah. I feel Again. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry for not really accurately describing like this very visual medium very well for audio. Yeah. I mean, I think it's one of the struggles. Yeah, so, that's true. 
I would definitely say, I'm trying to, like, you were right, it does look very wood blocky. The mm-hmm. colors are not overly vibrant, they're mm-hmm. sort of muted, but the scenes that take place in the past are much brighter than the scenes that take place in the 70s. Yeah, there's just, there's a, a there's, wider co- color palette. Yeah, like the 70s looks almost like a sepia tone. Yeah, yeah, it's not quite black and white, it's like brown and tan. Beige, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, and so it's just really, I really, like, I can't say I still love the art, but I think it's definitely appropriate for this story. Yeah, yeah. I like it. Is there anything we haven't, anything plot-wise, characterized, art-wise, is there anything we haven't touched on that you wanted to talk about? I don't think so. I said that I hated Rufus's mom, right? You said that, but I liked how she, you said she was evil. I liked how she, um, at the end, she's like, you know, like they become like, not besties, because that's completely inappropriate, but she's like, you know, if I just close my eyes, I wouldn't even know you were black. And it's like, it's just, what what would you have been, lady, if you hadn't been raised in this time period? Probably still a bitch. (laughs) I mean, I felt, on one hand, I felt kind of bad for her, because her own son is like, Will you shut up and get the fuck out of here? Yeah, and she lost the kids. I think that's I think that's the the point of the story though, because even Rufus like loved his children. He wanted to be loved by Dana and by um, uh, uh, Alice. Alice, <laughs> um, but he couldn't. It was it was almost like this slavery and his expectations were this this seed of evil inside of him or this cancer inside of him that just ate him all up. Yeah. And I think it's for everyone that happened. Yeah. Because I think, like, when he was a little, even when he, and I think they sort of hint to it, because even when he's a little boy, it's there. Yeah. Even though he's much, he's less, I mean, he's not the abusive person he becomes, but, like, with wanting to tell her, wanting her to call him master and how important it is and, like, setting fire to the drapes. Yeah. He wants to get back to his father. Like, there's signs are there that, like, he's, he's sort of already been set on this path. Yeah. The book, this is one thing I would like us to talk about. People say a lot of the time that the book also talks, like, specifically in regards to gender. And so mm-hmm. I saw the race stuff a lot. And so I think we've talked about, like, the, you know, slavery in the black. Like, what do you think about the role of the women in this book? Since you sort of touched on the mom, I wanted to sort of, like, compare... Uh, it depressed me. Yeah. <laughs> what else yeah. do you, what do you want to say about it? I guess my whole thing is like Alice's story, I think is probably the example of that. Like she has no choice at all. In yeah. The book. Or actually she does have choice. They're just three terrible choices. Yeah. And so she has no real agency. And so it is just sort of like a really depressing look at how, I guess just like women's rights, like, cause even compared to Dana, where am I going with this? I don't know. I'm really off today. I'm sorry. That's okay. But <laughs> well, I mean, I'm trying to say like she she wants more than she can ever get, and it's really depressing. And I think she realizes that, and then she lashes out about it. Because at one point in the book, Dana breaks down her choices. Your choices are sleep with him willingly, mm-hmm. um, fight, resist, get beaten, have him force himself on you anyway, or mm-hmm. run away. So she has no choice, even though she's presented with this illusion of choice. Mm-hmm. And so that that scene really stuck with me. Yeah, yeah. I, I, ugh, like, her story is just so tragic. Isaac? Oh, my gosh. I'm glad they didn't show Isaac. 
Oh, yeah? The, her husband who got his ears cut off. Oh, yeah. I, I'm glad that was not included. I would not have dealt with it. <laughs> uh, going back to your gender stuff, you kind of do see it um, with Dana and Kevin and their story about how, um, you know, their time at the temp agency um, and it's kind of like a gender class race thing in their two positions. Like they're both working there. They're both writers. But it's obvious that he kind of has this kind of swoop in savior. Yeah. Not like totally malicious. Like he's buying her lunch. Yeah. You know, it's not like an awful thing, but it's definitely there that um, he had more at every time he had more choices yeah. than she did she, he had more i don't know uh oh i know what i was gonna say what were you gonna so say? You, you're saying kevin reminded me so in the sh- in the show or in the book in the show God, <laughs> in the book it's like when they first come to the plantation it's sort of like hinted not hinted but it's sort of like not spoken that she is with him and that they have a relationship that is intimate mm-hmm. and like the one, like, the slave master guy sort of, like, just even winks. When she comes across old man Waylon in the hallway, he sort of, like, winks at her. Yeah, he's when she leaves Yeah, when she leaves Kevin's bedroom. And then his, Mrs. Waylon calls her a whore. Yeah. And threatens to, like, have her put outside, to sleep outside. So, I don't know, I kind of found that their relationship in that time period, it's basically this, people see it the same way they see Rufus's and Alice's. I think that's what I was getting to. Yeah, I can see that. And that it, it no one's like, oh, well, it's kind of gross that you're sleeping with this girl who has no choice. It's like, oh, you yeah. hoe. Even yeah. the other slaves are kind of like, uh, you know, oh, you think you're you're like uppity or whatever because you're sleeping with this white man. And it's kind of like, yeah. what? Again, no choices. She had no, no choices. choices. That sort of came up with them. So we both went to the University of Missouri mm-hmm. where there is a statue of Thomas Jefferson because um and i think but i will that? point out that he is looking at his own grave <laughs> <laughs> and he looks horrified so that's really deep but um Reese, i think it was like the last year like there was this like post-it protest where people put all the post-it notes calling him a rapist and a <laughs> and a, I a racist yeah. you didn't see that oh they put it like they covered the statue with post like you can see photos of like the statue, because in the statue he's sitting on a bench with like a quill pen in his hand, and he is—he's kind of looking exactly up. as, yeah, apparently looking at his own grave. Yeah, we got so his gravestone too. It's like a couple paces up, but he's just staring at it, looking. And horrified. I'm not entirely sure why we have it, but I don't. Well, it's because I think it's like the Louisiana, the, yeah, the, uh, the Louisiana Purchase University, then the <laughs> area of land that he purchased. I don't know. It still seems kind of... He's from Virginia, I thought, so whatever. Yeah, I feel like they should have. But I guess it's like they made a gravestone for him, and then it's like just a big old rock, and they were like, I guess he should have a nicer one. So they, like, put the old one at MU. Oh, well, that that seemed, that makes perfect sense, then, when you explain it like that. But um, it was covered with um, stickers, or, like, stickers, uh, po- like, calling him a rapist and a racist. And, like, the more I learned... Like, I don't know why it took me like almost 30 to challenge this perception that like, I always knew about the Sally Hemings thing, Mm -hmm. but like, why am I now 30 and realizing, Oh yeah, that would be rape. Like when you look at the power dynamic in the situation they were in. Yeah. Cause the way they portray it is like, Oh, it's so romantic. I mean, mistress, not even romantic, like a mistress. Like it's some kind of like, like 
like liaison they were having or something. Yeah, like it was like, something like, oh, you know, they're meeting behind here and stealing kisses. It's like, nah, yeah. that shit was rape. Yeah, because he was gross. Like, I hate Thomas Jefferson, and I'm really mad that he's my favorite character in Hamilton. (laughs) Now, did he... He had children by her. Yeah. Did he keep them enslaved while he was alive? I believe they were kept enslaved. don't even understand how you can look at your own flesh and blood and be like... And I think that that's a good thing about this this novel. It's like, you think... You think the way that... So, slavery is taught here and thought about in this country in a few different ways it's either um you know this new whitewashed way it wasn't that bad it was immigration it was immigration and then it was like this horrible thing like uh they didn't even see people as people and it's like i think obviously it's a little closer to that second one but i don't know if you could have that total disconnect and see your own child and think that that wasn't a person and the mental gymnastics like the amount of delusion and insanity that that would cause in everyone's mind to think to say like this person is not a person like I don't know if anyone and I think that this book especially with Rufus points it out it's like you know that they're people and you know that what you're doing is evil but you're doing everything to justify it and I think that that's how we get like this this craziness of like, oh, well, Sally Hemings, you know, she she got to sleep with the president. <laughs> so, yeah. Whoa, what? Yeah. And so, so have you, I'm going to take it back to Underground because there are characters on the show. Mm-hmm. There is um, the slave master, Tom, of course, because as I said, every fictional slave master, except in this book, their name was, I don't know, every single name has to be named Tom. He has an affair with one of his slaves and like their children the children of that not affair it's let's just go ahead and call it is coerced it's not any kind of like forced rape she uses it to get what she wants but i don't think it's something she would choose mm-hmm. in any willing capacity their children are enslaved mm-hmm. like in and he doesn't really even acknowledge them and it's it's kind of funny in one scene because the the mistress is there and she knows what's happening and i don't think that's as uncommon as what you may have alluded to. And I think it may also depend on the geographic area. Cause I have, I've also read stories where the children would be freed. Yeah. But the parents would remain enslaved. So yeah. Like and I, I mean, obviously it happened. Yeah. yeah. Like obviously it happened a lot. And that's why I think like, not so much that it didn't happen, but that people, it wasn't like this huge divide. Like this was slavery. This was freedom. It's like, people are people and they were living in close proximity yeah. and it drove people to like, it was an insane practice that allowed this for, to perpetuate. Yeah. What's your family? It's your like coworkers. It's like your friends. Like, yeah. What? It, it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. And so, I don't know. There, you said some, Oh, I am so off because I was going to say something. You said something that made me think of something else. <laughs> We're I'm so out of practice, guys. I'm so sorry. I I miss a month of reading and reviewing, but um, I just think oh, when he tricked her into making thinking the children were sold. Oh yeah, the fuck was up with that? (laughs) (laughs) And then he's like, "How did she do it?" It's like really, Rufus. I'm trying to figure out why. I guess he 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 wants. He has some kind of power issue because he doesn't actually love her. He says he loves her. He says at one point, but he, he tells actually. Dana 
that if he lived in their time, he would marry Alice or at least attempt to try. And I don't think he does because he wants to control her at all costs. He he gets her enslaved again. She was freed. Alice was freed because her mother was free. But after she gets caught running away with her husband, Isaac, Rufus buys her. She gets whipped to near death. Um, Dana brings her back to life. Mm-hmm. And then she's barely healed when he's already coming back to Dana and asking her to help him persuade, which is just ultra creepy. Yeah. Asking her, her, asking Dana to help him persuade Alice to sleep with him. Yeah. It's so gross. Yeah. And so not only does she have to like sleep with him, she has to like it. And so he, he sends the children to his aunt and tricks Alice into thinking he sold them because he wants her to realize that the power, he wants her to realize what he could do to her. And I'm like, I'm sure she knows, Mm -hmm. but that was not necessary. And so, and that's what drives, that's what drives her to kill herself. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it's like, I, I feel like Rufus as a character, like, doesn't even understand what love is because his father is like nuts. Like, he's yeah. like, his mother and his relationship is totally crazy. And the only like model he has is slavery yeah. of how people react to each other. And he just, he thinks that, oh, what I'm doing is right. He, he can't even conceive of a world and where like um dana and kevin um you can know marry. can marry and can be partners yeah i don't know why dana loved that boy i mean i, I guess i get it she saw him as a child but she would only see him for like what a, i guess a few days i, I think know. it was and i think this is the genius of the story like the original story it's that if he died like <laughs> dana would not exist exist like overall yeah. like dana wanted to survive like more than anything like she was like i have to get through this and and that child hagar i think his name that's her hagar predecessor hagar whatever (laughs) i I can't pronounce words but yeah that was her direct predecessor as soon as that child is born it's like thank god yeah because hagar now if i'm remembering my catholic schooling correctly hagar i should look this up because i know someone's gonna call me out if i get this wrong um is said it in the book yeah so she is um yeah so she's abraham's concubine um and when him and what is it sarah couldn't have a kid like uh they have a kid named ishmael um who once uh, Sarah gives birth to Isaac at like 150 or something, <laughs> Abraham's like, he's like, see ya, Hagar. And then they have to like go out into the desert. And like, she's like, you know, she's got her little baby Ishmael and they're like, walk around. She thinks that they're going to die. And then um, uh, she puts him down under like a shady tree because she thinks he's going to die. And then God is like, yo, saw what Abraham did. That shit was like, not cool um so i'm gonna take care of you and he gives him like an oasis and ishmael is like that's the connection between islam and christianity like uh um one is descended from each son but a lot of literature kind of uses that imagery like a lot of older literature i think uses the imagery of like Isaac, like the binding of Isaac, the sacrifice of Isaac, all these things that happened to Isaac. And I think a lot of um, more contemporary um, and especially um, literature from people of color 
use that story of Ishmael and Hagar to explore some of this otherness. Well, it seems it's also, there are a lot of essays written, so I'm on the Wikipedia article. Uh-huh. So several black American feminists have written about Hagar, comparing her story to those of slaves in American history. Mm-hmm. And there's also a character in Beloved named Hagar. So it seems like, I don't know, I'm pretty sure Octavia Butler, do you think maybe it could have started with Octavia Butler? She wrote this book in 1979. Who yeah, I don't know. drew that connotation first. I'd have to, we're, I'm not educated enough to draw that conclusion, but I'm just throwing it out there. So... Well, I think we've been talking on this for a long time. I do have one more question, and this is sort of in seriousness. Why does no one get that she's like some kind of magic? Like they whip I this woman. I think they do. But then they still whip her. Like, Well, yeah. But again, I think that they just have such a narrow idea that's so twisted by like craziness that they're yeah. like, she black and yes. this is what you do. Yeah, and I think that's the most galling part. That one guy, the old old man Waylon, even says at one point, "You know, I know you're, you're. I know you're. I don't know what you are. I know you're magic, but you're mortal, and I can still hurt you." And just be like, "Come on, dude! Like, yeah. she's clearly immortal. She yeah. ages. She never ages. Whenever she sees you, yeah. she saved your son. It's just really, it's just really wow. It's really so, wild. So this has been my inarticulate discussion of Kindred. I will be better." Next no, time. I think he did really well. We talked. I mean, we talked about everything from like <laughs> Hagar, art. art, woodblocks, Steven Universe again. <laughs> I just feel a lot of pressure because we are building that listenership, and I'm we really happy. Are. I'm very but happy. Like, I just want to make sure people are getting something out of this. So. But yeah, so what are we reading next? I think we were originally set to read America Street, uh-huh. but I sort of want to change it up. Okay. I would really like to read An Extraordinary Union by Alyssa Cole, because I told you I'd get you to read some romance. Oh, you're right. You're right. And this one, it's coming out maybe in two days. I think it comes out March 28th. Oh, yeah. Okay. And it's the... And it's a romance by um, Alyssa Cole, and it involves, it takes place, okay, we're not going to leave this time period, I'm sorry, it takes place during the Civil War. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, and she is um, a spy for this union, and she meets another spy for the union, and they're spies. So, um, I don't want to give more away than that, that's why that wasn't really terrible. But, um, (laughs) oh, it comes out the 28th. So okay, yeah, I think that'll give us a good, like a good introduction to another scene. Like we've done, um, we've done some sci-fi. We've done some sci-fi. Now let's move on to we did actually. We, so we did a uh, uh, urban lit, then sci-fi, then now we're moving to romance. I like it. Yeah, I just really want to. I guess I just really want to stall before I get to YA. I just... <laughs> That's gonna be a whole another uh, explanation. Yes. So, so yeah, that's our next pick, An Extraordinary Union, Alyssa Cole. She's really good. I have, um, since I guess we can just segue into what we're reading currently, I'm currently reading Exit West by, I don't want to mess up his last name, um, by Pakistani author Moshin Hamid. It's his fourth novel. Basically, there's this couple who fall in love in a war-torn um, area. I think it's a fictional Mid-Eastern country. I'm not sure if it's a real one. I haven't gotten that far in the book. And they escape through these magical doors. So it's like there's magical realism in there and Mm -hmm. a love story. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to love this. But I am also reading an anthology. So that Juneteenth anthology I read, which is probably the only Juneteenth book 
I can think of. Those same four women got back and did another anthology, but this one is on Black Suffragettes. Oh, cool. Yeah, I'm currently reading that, and Alyssa Cole has a book in there. It's called Daughters of a Nation, Um, and it's just an anthology of romance novels with the theme being, like, voting rights and specifically women's voting rights. Okay. that's what I'm currently reading. What are you currently reading? Uh, so like I said, I'm reading the fifth season. Um, I can't remember oh, yeah. now if we left in like what we were reading last time or not. But I did finish this, The Shining. Um, yes, you did say you were reading that one. Yeah, so a little bit lighter um, since Mass Effect came out. And I've been playing Is that a video game? It is a video game. Yeah, I don't know a video game. It's like a, it's <gasps> like a space romance. I sat and I'm like, what am I doing with all my time? Because it's like, I don't consume anything. It's like, <laughs> I'm like, and I'm like really sad. I'm like, what? I was like, I guess I go to work uh-huh. and then I go to school. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah. And then I read for this. Yeah. <laughs> and then I listen to Hamilton. <laughs> and then I go to ballet class. Uh-huh. It's like. I get, like, legitimately, the only show I've watched all the way through is, like, the only show I am currently up to speed on is Steven Universe and Bob's Burgers. <laughs> and you know what? You can't go to a bar and try and pick up a sophisticated man. You could probably with Bob's Burgers. <laughs> Everyone loves Bob's Burgers. Uh, I just so. I just caught up with that today. Oh, it's, it's, I love, like, that. Sh- and actually I started watching Golden Girls again, so. Uh. That's some great comedy writing. I love. <laughs> Bob's Burger is so smart. Um, but yeah, yeah so that's what funny. I'm doing with my life. And I'm yeah. like, huh, get it together. So, but now I'm going to read Exit West and I'm going to read An Extraordinary Union. And I think it'll be great. I, I can't wait be. to hear your, I can't wait to hear your thoughts because I don't think we've discussed, I don't think you've had a chance to finish and discuss a romance yet. You tried one. You yeah. Attempted one, and I, I tried. I sidetracked. I think it's because that was right when we started the podcast. So I yeah. was like, oh, okay, now I got all these other things to read. Um, yeah. And she was walking through the desert, and I was like, I can't. What are you doing? That desert scene. That desert, that desert scene was scene long. It really stuck with you. It really stuck with me. Because I was like, okay, she's in the desert. Mm, she's still in the desert. I think I just got to when she woke up in the bed and the guy was like, get her some pants. And I was like, oh my God, like we got to move this plot along. <laughs> yeah. this one, I will promise you this one moves a bit faster. So. Okay. Okay. And there's no desert scene. There's a lot of, <laughs> there's a lot of history though. So, but I like history. I think you do too. So. Yeah. I think that's it. Um, let's do our wrap up. Thank you all for listening. We're like really like I'm really kind of like in awe like the people like we've got people in engaging and listening to us. I'm really I excited. know it's been really cool. Like like I said, we like totally love you guys out there. And every single time someone comments or says something, like Danielle and I are like, oh my god, did you see this? Because <laughs> literally this started I think with just Molly's mom listening. Uh huh. So like my like I said, my mom has even listened to it. So. Yeah, now my grandma listens. It's like crazy. <laughs> So that's we're just really excited. So we're you can follow excited. us mm-hmm. on Twitter at Black Chicklet. Um, we also have an Instagram that Molly's doing an awesome job with. Yeah, it's BCL Podcast, and you can see me ranting about comics and the differences between that and graphic novels, and seeing my cat like jump into a photo shoot on there. Yeah, and we also have a website, blackchicklet.com. This might be a good time. So we are on the market. 
we'd have to get together and talk like budget and stuff but like if you know someone who has any kind of like graphic design skills or music skills yeah we are in the market for some original work because we would like since we are getting a following i feel like we should we should step up step up some of the production yeah so. yeah we should have like a, a cute little logo and a cute yeah. little like theme song or something yeah. like we're not trying to get nothing for free you know like but if you do know someone who would do something I mean for if you're willing to do it for free that's you great got but the we would also be we would be willing to pay we're not rich so don't come yeah we're not even though we talk about being bougie we are not what that's is what it bougetto is. we're bougetto <laughs> Oh, so. what does Chris Rock call his mom and everybody hates Chris? She was uh, a ghetto snob. Yeah. So, so that's that's about our budget. But yeah, <laughs> you can email us at um, contact at blackchicklit.com or tweet us. Tweeting is probably the fastest response and we can direct message you or anything else. But if you know someone, we'd really love to support fellow black artists and musicians too. So if mm-hmm. you know someone who's looking and we credit, of course, so... Oh, yeah. But we need a theme song and we need to get our logo together. Yeah. I found the theme song for free on the internet. <laughs> and but it's I adorable. It. Like I said, like I always imagine, like, you know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 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 Let me come in with the maracas, like, let's go. But, um, but yeah. So we're here. Yeah. So just let us know. Um, but other than that, I think we are good. This has been a good discussion. Yeah. Love our thanks guys for listening. Thanks, thanks to everyone who's been retweeting and commenting and posting. We love it. We love you. Um, we will actually we will be doing another bonus episode maybe in a week or so. Okay, yeah. I think a good question because I've been seeing a lot of chatter about it would uh-huh. be the whitewashing of characters of color. Ooh. On their own covers. Because as soon as we talked about it, I saw stories and I saw tweets and stuff about it everywhere. Yeah. So what would the question be? I guess, let's think about the question. Um, How do you, um, I'm trying to think. Because I was thinking we might need to do more than one. First, I would like to know people's experiences with it. So if Mm -hmm. you've seen a book that was whitewashed. If you've had a book that's been whitewashed. Or if you've had a book that's been whitewashed, I would love to hear that. And then secondly... Have you ever had a book, like, have you ever, like, not realized, one of the people on, I think it was um, Arlene at Lock Pressed Books, I hope I got, if I know that off the top of my head, oh, she remembered, she saw whitewashed covers of Octavia Butler's books. Oh, right, didn't realize I did see that tweet. They were, yeah, I didn't realize they were about black women, and she said she probably would have read them, she probably would have read, she said she would have picked them up long before what she did had she known the characters in the book were uh, of color okay so I think that'd be interesting just any experiences people have had dealing with yeah. whitewashed covers or any thoughts they have to say it's an open ended question just what's your experience and what's your thoughts I'll tweet it out too because clearly I just yeah. mauled it yeah right so if now, we put this so. up what on Wednesday well, I may, yeah, and I may put it up a bit earlier, and then we'll have the discussion. This oh, episode. Even, this episode. Yes, this episode. And then we'll probably. Wednesday, and I'll probably ask the chat, like, immediately after that, just so we have enough time to post it a couple times. Yeah, so respond. Time, so. If you see it, if you have something, respond pretty quickly, and then we'll be able to see it and talk about it, because we'll probably record pretty soon after, um, after we post yeah. it. Yeah. So. All right. Well, it, guys. thanks, guys, so much, and we will see you and speak to you next week.
Awesome. Bye, guys. Bye.